two of the sport's most respected fighters step back into the octagon this weekend to compete for the welterweight title. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fights, DraftKings is offering new players a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. And don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit, eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network. We are back with Season 2, Episode 18. As Andy and I celebrate the Rangers for the first time, stringing together two wins in a row all season as we take down the Washington Capitals. But first, I got to ask Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Feeling good after about the Rangers right now. It is a snowy Super Bowl Sunday. I uh, woke up early to get a pork shoulder in my slow cooker. Uh, dry, dry rubbed it. I have... Uh, all sorts of good things thrown in with it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to make uh, some delicious pulled pork nachos for tonight. Uh, obviously, with COVID being what it is, uh, my wife and I are uh, watching the Super Bowl alone, but we're still going to have some yummy, uh, delicious things to snack on while we watch the game. And I can't think of a better backdrop for uh, a Super Bowl right now. But um, yeah, I'm doing good, feeling good about the Rangers and uh, feeling good about that how they played the other night. Now, I asked you yesterday, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but what kind of sauce are you doing? Now, do you do your own, or do you you know, buy something out uh, of the store? I have made my own barbecue sauce in the past, but my wife, uh, being an entertainment journalist, gets lots of free swag. Ooh. And for we received it in the mail uh, for the show Vikings. They sent us a whole bunch of stuff. Well, sent her a whole bunch of stuff, including... Uh, we got free barbecue from a place local to us that has does excellent barbecue. And they also sent us a bunch of stuff so to do your own barbecue. So we got uh, free dry rubs and free diff- various barbecue sauces. So I usually can make my own in this throughout this process with the slow cooker. But uh, I'm actually just going to use they sent us a I forget what it's called, but it's very nice barbecue sauce. So we're going to use that um, and hopefully it's good. But like I said, it cuts down on time. It's free. I usually make my own rub, but they gave us a rub as well, and it, it tasted pretty good. So I'm gonna go with that, and we're gonna see what we have. And yeah, it just made it really simple. You know, the hardest part is just uh, you buy that pork shoulder from the wherever you get your meat, and you have to cut the skin off. And I had to cut it down a bit to get it to fit my slow cooker because it was a giant. It was like a 10 pound, you know, pork shoulder or whatever. But it works, and it's uh, yeah, it's already starting to smell good in my uh, in my uh, kitchen. Yeah, I can imagine. You're up to send me a picture of the final product when oh, you're done. Oh, I will. All I right. will. Um, so, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the Sunday right now, we were supposed to play the New Jersey Devils yesterday. That got postponed. 
and I guess I can bring this up now. The NHL came out with uh, an updated schedule, and obviously the teams that were affected by COVID have the most changes, and uh, Rangers play some of those teams, like the New Jersey Devils. So some of our games got switched around um, in mid-February and in March. There seems to be some, you know, juggling of the game, so to speak. So um, I guess I guess now that was just basically precautionary to not have teams playing three games in a row. I don't think I don't think there's a a, a, th- a team is expected to play three games in a row. But I don't know if COVID, you know, keeps up, you know, and affects, you know, another team, they might have to or push the, the season out further. Yeah, you know, and it's like you said, some teams have gotten definitely gotten hit harder than others. The Rangers, knock on wood, have been pretty lucky. The only time we had Kako, but that was a precautionary thing. And because he was back so fast, you can imagine they through contact tracing, they thought he might have been in maybe he could have been a trainer or someone in the organization or a clip, clip, you know, whoever he was staying with. But his test was clearly negative because he only sat for one game and was instantly back. So, yeah, the Rangers have been lucky. Uh, there was much was made of. Buffalo's coach Ralph Kruger because they played the Devils and apparently they had some people who they were already aware of some people that had tested positive and the league didn't uh, cancel their game and now I think Buffalo got hit with some cases and like I said including their coach so uh, yeah they were clearly very upset and angry but this is a really difficult thing to deal with you know and uh, some teams have gotten hit harder than others um, you know, I think, you know, you look at discrepancy games played, some teams have already played upwards of 10 plus games and there's other teams that are still trailing along at like five or six. So yeah, Vancouver is basically done with their season already. It's, it's <laughs> insane how many games they've gotten in. Or, it, yeah. And, and geez, they look bad, but that's another podcast. They do uh, look bad, but they got 14 games in already. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's not good for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, you look with the, the, the schedule makers and they seem to have shifted every game back and then I think the Rangers ultimately it meant it adds up to them getting one game added for like a 1 p.m. game uh and yeah like I said they have to work around the schedule of the Knicks if it's a home game or away game depending on where they're playing or who's you know who's arena or barn and if they share a team with either an NBA team or you know um but yeah like I said the Rangers have been pretty lucky thus far but you have to hope just the way things have are going um you know, you know, I think the Kruger thing is definitely scary because it's one thing if you don't want your athletes getting it, but he, you know, he's a bit, uh, he's up there in age, he's an older guy, so you imagine he's more at risk, and that's ultimately what this is all about: um, is that these people in that bracket that could have underlying conditions who are, or who are at risk getting exposed. So hopefully they can lock it down, and I hope if you know, if just for whatever reason, the teams that do have got hit, maybe they realize, okay, like we have to, maybe I was doing something and I wasn't being as careful as i thought so you know maybe change up the way i get groceries or if washing how much i wash my hands or you know whatever so yeah hopefully they figure it out yeah so just to update everyone the game that was supposed to be for yesterday uh february 6th is now scheduled for thursday march 4th at 7 p.m so um that got pushed the next month and it seemed like all the other changes were games in the future really being pushed almost like one day so so you know, because if you move the the one game, now you have to stagger them again. So it looks like all the games just kind of got pushed back a, a day, m- most of them for the New, uh, New York Rangers. Um, so, Andy, let's talk about the Washington Capitals game, because for the first time in a couple seasons, I thought the Rangers put together a full 60 minute game. I thought they played well in every single zone on the ice. 
and they did exactly what they needed to do in order to take down the Washington Capitals. I mean, how how pleased were you watching that game, you know, from beginning to end? Oh, I was so pleased because you had mentioned on our last podcast that this was going to be the real test for them because the teams they've played so far, Buffalo, the Islanders, uh, New Jersey. Yeah, they're they're most likely the teams, along with the Rangers, that were kind of penciled in for maybe the bottom half of that, whether or not one of them could get into that four, that top four. Um, yeah, well, that was the question, I think. But yeah, you knew Washington, the way they've been rolling and the amount of uh, t- talent and skill and depth they have, that, that was going to be, a re- and how heavy that team is, that was going to be the real test. But you know, I'll be damned. The Rangers were up to the task. Uh, their neutral zone defense was some of the best I've seen them play in years. And, you know, we don't know. It's hard to know if that's Jacques Martin's influence finally, or the fact that now that Tony is out of the bottom, that bottom pairing, you don't have to give him as many minutes. And you look at how much minutes Adam Fox played and Ke'Andre and Truba played. And then that third pairing of Batetto and Hayek only played 10 minutes. You know, when you can ride two pairs like that and just have a third pair that you just put out there for 10 minutes and just hope they just play solid and don't do anything, you know, too, too out of their uh, wheelhouse. Although we're going to talk about that as well. Um, yeah, man, it just makes it easier. I think you are less the, the less susceptible your team is to the ebbs and flows of maybe getting hemmed in a little bit on a shift or two here or there. It makes it easier for you to keep momentum and just keep rolling lines and doing what you're doing. And our forwards were attentive and swinging back on the back check to you know cut off the time and space for the person trying you know the, the capital trying to uh enter the zone either forcing them to dump so that far side d can either try to get there for retrieval or uh yeah just forcing them to do something stupid or even just turning over the puck and hell i mean kako comes back it was his he was great off the puck i had never seen him play that well defensively off the puck so that was really heartening he's winning foot races into the corner he was coming back. He wasn't panicking in his own zone. He wasn't trying to do that rookie thing where he's like, I'm going to fly a little bit, so I'm the option. But it, it, it you know, kind of leaves the guy who, to walk from the wall towards the slot. So, yeah, I was very pleased. Clearly, Panarin and Strom are, are cooking again. Uh, the only two guys we're really waiting to get going right now are Mika and Lafreniere. You know, uh, Mika still looks a little out of sorts, but he looked like he was trying. He was dangerous on the power play, and he's still... You know, he tries to back check. It just he looks a half a step slow. And again, speculation abound. And you know, Lafreniere, he's getting his, his chances. He's getting, in, you know, he looks a little bit. Uh, I think he was not super noticeable that last game, but when he was, he, you know, little thing, subtle things that you to keep possession. I really liked, and I think that's his whole thing is that his game is so subtle that, you know, you can have a guy like Stutzel uh, <laughs> stand out for his flash and dash. But then off the puck, he doesn't look like an NHL regular, whereas Lafreniere might be the opposite right now. But Lafreniere, I also found out, has, I think he's got like the fifth lowest PDO in the entire league. Like his shooting percentage is in the toilet, which means once it regresses, that he should, the points just start coming for him. You know, so he's just been super unlucky. And also he's playing with a guy who is either also A, super unlucky, or B, is just being clearly being affected. Because I think Meek only has like two or three points at this. I think he's got three points right now which he's your top line center and here you're staple to his side. So, you know, go figure, Um, you know, and I think for, I think he's only got one at even strength. He's got a goal on a power play and then he's got a pass to an empty net goal. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's how his season's going, but uh, wow, man, and I got off track anyway. Yeah. They played great defensively, James. Uh, what did, what did you notice about that, their effort? 
Well, first off, I, I have to a- applaud Quinn, you know, when he does something right, because I get on his back, you know, every single podcast, it seems like, because I hate his coaching decisions or, or I just hate his inconsistency. And, and this one, he kind of he stuck true with what worked against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And if you look at the, pit, the time on ice for the Pittsburgh game, and then you look at the time on ice for the Washington Capitals game, Washington Capitals game, wow. Um, our defense, it's almost a mirror image of itself. It's almost exactly the same. You have the, you know, Truba and Fox leading the way with 24 minutes and 26 minutes. And then you have, you know, the uh, Lindgren and Andre Miller in the low 20s. And then you have the other two just under 10 minutes. So Potato and Hayek. So, I mean, it, it looks like he found something that's actually working. And, you know, it just sucks that we all have to pull our hair out for the first, you know, 10 games of the season for Quinn to realize, you know, hey, maybe this actually works. Maybe if I play the, my best players most of the game, that will actually have a positive result. Instead, he always constantly is benching people, sitting people. Uh, I know the Pittsburgh game was a little weird because uh, Brendan Smith uh, got hurt. I believe that was the first period of that game. So, you know, those other guys had to really step up and, and fill in that that void. But, you know, it's it just uh, very nice to see that Quinn is recognizing a system that works, something that works, and, you know, was able to follow it up and have success with it the second game in a row. Um, I thought Igor Annette was uh, almost perfect. I mean, I don't know what you could expect more from him. I thought he saw every single puck. I, I thought he read it perfectly. Um, the the only hiccup um, that he had, you know, in the Pittsburgh game was that weird bounce off the glass. And then, you know, in this game, he was just near perfect. I didn't see him really chasing any pucks like he did no. that first game. There's really nothing he could have done on the haggling goal. It goes off the guy's glove, like right. what he's supposed to do at the last second. So he couldn't do anything about that, um, you know. And then again, they cash in, I think, what close to the side of the net. It was another thing that it was like a kind of bit of a bang-bang play. So not too much you could you could do. But like you said, he made uh, – he in that first uh, minute of the game, I think Malkin had a chance just – bearing in on he, he breaks through uh our defenders and and i think igor stones him twice like up front he has two quick you know shoots a leg out pad save stays big stays square you know he's in his butterfly and then has two quick saves in succession and yeah i think it really helped settle him and set the tone once he you know he's like all right i that was probably the best chance they might get on our doorstep all night and he was just yeah he saw everything even through screens he was finding it with his glove you know whereas early in the season his glove wasn't really uh doing him many favors but yeah he was snaring things down and he looked calm and that's the Igor I know and then uh, gets a much deserved win uh and yeah I think it's just settles everyone down I think that's the biggest thing they look settled they never looked rattled you know even when uh that horrendous you know Kako gets called for <laughs> embellishment on a knee on knee unbelievable which might unbelievable I was furious um and goes down I didn't see much change in the Rangers posture. And yeah, I think that's the other thing is that Washington, when they were behind, they started kind of trying to bully the Rangers play. They're a bit bigger, older, probably bigger team. Although I'd argue they're a bit slower, but yeah, you know, Wilson was going around trying to do some damage. Uh, although Lindegren and him were going at it all game, which you'd love to see from Lindegren. That kid is a warrior. Say what you will about him. But um, yeah, the, the Rangers look, they, they stood up for themselves they just kept playing their game. Uh, Washington, you clearly look frustrated. Um, you know, you, you can even see Ovechkin was frustrated, although you see why he's, you know, he on the, in that game that he scored that goal right off the face off. 
not much you can do about it. He's the best no. pure goal scorer of all time, arguably, you know, just, and you could see he was wanting it all game and he had the most shots on ice for any team. So that just goes to show you what, what how scary that guy is. But listen, you could even see he was frustrated, even despite even getting the goal, he was just trying to get stuff. And yeah, the Rangers didn't give uh, the Capitals any time or space. They kind of like to play a little bit more methodically in the past under Trotz and, and Todd Reardon. And now I think Laviolette's trying to get them to play a little bit more up-tempo. But you can see kind of from the construction of the team as it, it's kind of not their thing. So yeah, that made it possible for the Rangers to catch them in the neutral zone and slow them down. And that just made their life difficult because they couldn't... Yeah, they were kept to the perimeter when they were in their own zone. And like I said, through the neutral zone, it's like they couldn't have numbers or speed or anything because no, they were but, slowing them down. Yeah. yeah. You know what you say? No, no. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, listen, this this Capitals team wants puck possession. They want to carry the puck you know, into their offensive zone. They don't want to have to do the whole dump and chase game. And when you, you know, not really trap, but you force them to the outside, you take away time and space in a neutral zone, you force them to dump. And our Rangers, you know, our Rangers defense you know, we can gather that puck and, and make a simple play and get it out. You know, we're not making bad decisions back there. And it's, it's, you know, very nice to see, you see, all, you know, Potato and Hayek, you get a little nervous with them playing against an elite offense like the Washington Capitals. But even then they, they kept their puck possession uh, low. They made simple plays to get it out of the zone. You know, sometimes it's, it's to nobody and it goes right back to the caps, but you know, overall, that's what you want. Just get the puck out of the zone and make them, you know, regroup and, and come at you again, you know, and it, and again, that play is frustrating. You don't want to do that. Ovechkin doesn't want to have to go back out into the neutral zone, have a D to D swing through the neutral zone and, and have another puck entry entry. And he certainly doesn't want a dump in and have to go work for it into the corners. And you, you get a team. And this is what I said about the Washington Capitals prior to uh, the season starting is that, you know, their age, are they really going to want to play this style of hockey where, you know, the Rangers can keep up? But the Capitals are not going to want to play that gritty, you know, game in the corner right now. They, you know, they're they're an older team. I know they're a heavy hitting team, but you know, day in and day out, that that it's a tough game to play. You know, not many teams can do it, and you certainly don't want uh, your team doing it that's a little bit older, and and then expect them to be ready for the playoffs. So, um, you know, I I thought the Rangers played exactly how they had to play in order to get two points, especially in regulation, and you know. Obviously, being the Ranger fan that I am, I'm sure you had the same feeling. And when Ovechkin scores that goal, you're like, "Oh God, here we go. We're gonna blow this." But they didn't. They they played better. They they yeah. count they countered them. You know, if, for once, you know, watching the Rangers, you know, when something bad happened, we we didn't just like give up and and quit. We got better. You know, and and that was such a you know pleasure to watch, and it was so pleasing to have that for once. You know, where you felt like, "Oh damn," you know we're fighting back. We're, we're not getting sucker punched and then cowering into the corner. You know, we're, we're hitting right back. So that was a pleasure to see. Um, um, so what do you think of, uh, you know, you know, the, the success, the last two games, you really have to look at, you know, uh, one player in particular, and that's, you know, Artemi Panarin. He's been, you know, red hot, probably, you know, one of the hottest players in the national hockey league. And I think, you know, that, that has a lot to do with uh, Strom's success as well, is that, you know, he can carry that line and produce so much for, you know, the players that he's playing with. So what do you think uh, has been the big adjustment from Panarin at the, the first two games in the season and Panarin the last two games of the season so far? Man, uh, you know, with a player with as much skill as him, it's kind of hard because I think what 
equates to success for him might not be the same thing that equates to success for everyone else. But yeah, I think with him, there was a lot of timing. You saw a lot of his passes were off. His vision is what makes his game go. You can, I mean, the good thing is his skill set is so high in his skating ability, his uh, mobility, his, but at the same time, you know, him see the way he sees the ice, just those cross feeds to keep possession moving, to find guys to hold up and hit a guy, a trailer that he's so known for just to take it around the boards uh, or excuse me, take it up, you know, take it up the boards and then quickly slam on the brakes, you know, double clutch pump fake, use his body language and then hit a trailer coming in for a grade A chance in the slot. I mean, that's, you know, his bread and butter. And when you, A, you have Strom finally, yeah, figuring out how he was playing with Panarin last year, doing more of that, just making himself an option. Panarin can hit him and Strom is actually, you know, for a smaller guy, Strom can, pretty much hold on to the puck in the slot and then protect it long enough for Panarin to then, yeah, they can kind of let he do the ladder play and let they can stick and move. And that when they're doing that to great effect, it really helps them. And, you know, I have, you really have to credit Takako for a few times. He made play nice little plays that helped them regain possession, you know, on the goal, on the breakaway, you know, he's on his knees and he, still is able to have the presence of mind. He can chip it on his, I think he chips on his backhand around the guy who's in front of him to spring the two of them on a, on a, you know, a two on one. And then, yeah, just a few times, you know, cause Kako's never going to be, a, I'm dumping the corner. I'm going to, re- you know, yes, for fast. I'm going to dig it out and get it to you guys. It's just not who he is, but he can hold on to the puck now with more confidence from last year, maintain possession. And then he can, yeah, he can play with those guys. You know, I don't think he's at the level of the other two yet, at least offensively, but you could just see that the more confidence he gets with the puck on his stick, that pretty soon, you know, he's going to have feel like he's got all the time he wants to do what he wants to do. And then, yeah, look out everyone in the National Hockey League. So as far as Panarin going, I think the biggest thing is I think he's got his timing back. You don't really know with the lack of training camp and all those other things. And, you know, especially coming into the to play for the Rangers last year, you could definitely tell we saw the videos of him training. I think he wanted to have a big debut and, you know, he hit the ground running and it's funny because we almost were like, man, Panarin wasn't going at the beginning of the year, but when you're as skilled as he is, I, some of his worst games this year, like he had a three point game, the last game, you know, against the, and I thought, I didn't think he played all that well. He was okay. But you know, if you can have such a pedestrian game and just casually have three points, I mean, that's pretty impressive, you know? And I think, uh, how many games has he, have we played now? The Rangers, the Rangers have played 10 games. He's got 15 points in 10 games. So he's already outpacing what he would have, if he, you know, if he keeps this up, he's already outpacing what he had, uh, last year. I don't think it ends up that way. And I mean, you look at, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, listen, dry McDavid and dry are just going to, run away with it just because the two of them nature of getting to play with one another. It just, it is what it is. Right. But you look, you know, Marner and JVR and these guys at Quinn Hughes are right ahead of them. They've all played like an extra th- four or five games. So I think it's going to shake out pretty much probably close to last year. Panarin's going to be at least top five in, in scoring, right. You know, just by the nature of how good he is. Uh, and 
you know, I mean, especially with the the way <laughs> they're riding that first power play unit. I mean, well, I, that's certain... what I was just, just going to bring that up too. the the yeah. power play unit is not even really producing that much. Imagine when that gets hot and that's going yeah. at, you know, 40... and it looks like they should be because they're getting chance like, you know, it... not it's pucks are going off knobs, hitting posts, you know, and they but the thing is, when we have it, they're shooting the puck. We have shots on goal and we're in our own zone the whole time. So it's not much more you can really do. Maybe you could argue it's becoming a little too predictable and maybe by virtue of changing things up uh or getting those units mixed that with different styles it kind of keeps the opponent guessing about what's going to happen uh but at the same time it's like listen you know panarin i think uh, he had a nice power play goal against uh not the last game but the 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 two games ago versus pittsburgh where we lost at at home where uh you know he has a little give and go with buchnevich for a one-timer which was really nice. You know, Kreider's had some good tips. So yeah, once it's going, and once the advantage ad's going, I just think, yeah, I think the floodgates are going to open for our power play. Cause like you said, I think in terms of possession time and shots on goal on the power play, we got to be up there because we have the puck the whole time. Well, and especially now you can ride Adam Fox on that. You know, not Tony was very, obviously a very good power play quarterback. This is bread and butter, but you know, Fox has had so many nice plays with on the, you know, on the drift. He's so good at using the faking with his body language and just kind of, slowly drifting and getting a shot off and he makes so many heady little chip plays to himself to keep possession or little reverses it's just you just shake your head and laugh when you watch him it's just too easy it's too, so much poise I, I mean yeah it's i still it's you know every day I, i'm just like i can't believe you know we got this guy for a, a second round pick you know it's amazing yeah and or two seconds i should say well, looking at the Rangers power play, I tweeted out, you know, the Rangers might have the best worst power power play in the league. And it's like <laughs> exactly. true. It's like we don't produce any goals, but we absolutely dominate for two minutes. And uh, I think you're you're exactly right when saying it's a little too you know predictable. I think there's got to be some sort of rotation on top. And I think that was more of like Tony D'Angelo's style when he was quarterback in that power play is that he was willing to, you know, exchange roles with the winger and and kind of play that, you know, offside if he had to. Um, Fox seems to be very comfortable up top, and I like him at top, and he makes smart decisions when he's when he's up there with the puck, and obviously, you know, his patience is just unbelievable. It's, he gives he gets the same feeling that I, I get the same feeling when McDonough had the puck, and you see him, and you're like, what is he doing? What is he doing? What is he doing? And then he makes that move at the last second, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. thank God. Like, <laughs> I thought you were going to cough that up and have a breakaway turn the other way. But, you know, I, I think there needs to be some sort of movement up top to kind of change the angle, break, you know, break down the, their penalty kill and, you know, get traffic and movement in front of uh, the goalie's eyes just to just to create more time and space for each other and, and, and better shooting lanes and, and you know, high, try to catch that team off, off, off guard, off guard. I was almost talking like uh, Anthony Potato. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's just nice to see that the Rangers power play is working. You just want to see points. And, and again, man, Panarin, 10 games played, 15 points. That's with an ice cold power play. If that thing gets hot for a few weeks at like 40, you know, 45% and the Rangers are humming along, I mean, his points are going to just skyrocket even more. So, uh, you know, it's, it's almost going to be like the short squeeze with the GameStop. You know, his points are just going to go flying once that power play gets going. But, uh, you know, obviously the play of the game we have to talk about. Um, Anthony Potato, the second game as a New York Ranger, playing at Madison Square Garden. He's already jacked up more. Takes the puck around the boards, 
makes a nifty little move to break to the middle and you think he's done there and then you know and then he goes for it he goes for the front of the net and at the last second when he's running out of time and space he has a nifty little backhand that you know sneaks past uh sneaks past uh, who was the goalie that was playing for the Washington it was Vanacek yes and uh sneaks back sneaks past him and uh for one of the prettiest goals probably the prettiest goal all season long for the New York Rangers if not you know the National Hockey League I know there's been some nice ones but this one just coming from who it was uh just the the, the moment for him to score a goal like that at Madison, Madison Square Garden I mean it's magical I mean he said it himself it was absolutely magical so what were your thoughts on that yeah I I jumped maybe jump out of my couch uh off my couch I say I very happy for him uh it's well documented that he grew up a Rangers fan loves the team you know I know you and I both know people who personally grew up with him and how much he wants to be a Ranger and yeah I was just so happy to see you and you saw how pumped the team was for him you know he gives a, a cheeky little he kisses the gloves gives the peace sign and they were clearly happy for him and you know he he put I think he put said it perfectly he's like you put the jersey on and magic things happen uh so maybe it was a little bit of the magic from those Lady Liberty jerseys, which looked beautiful on the ice last night. Oh my God, we didn't and, even talk about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, but, you know, Qu- Quinn, Quinn was asked about it, says, like, he was even saying, what is he doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And then it was in the back of the net. And he's like, and then by the end of it, I liked what he was doing. But, because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, it's something you don't expect to see from him. But I think that's the beauty of it, is that if he can, guy, you know, guys like him and Hayek who, listen, uh, obviously valuable parts of the team, but at the same time, you're not going to rot. You're not going to play them 20 minutes a night, but you give them 10 minutes and they can feel comfortable and not underwater and not afraid, especially if you, if you're out there and for playing 15 plus minutes and maybe you get a bad matchup and Ovechkin Backstrom or Kuznetsov are on the ice and they pot one behind you. You're not going to have the confidence to do that. But if you've been able to stay even all game, yeah, maybe you're like, you know what? We're in the zone time. No time like the present, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So Ah uh, man, I was happy for him. Uh, he, you know, it's funny because we've had a few, a couple of guys come home and say, "Wow, it's magic to play for the Rangers." But you can really tell that this is what he wanted. You know, he's so happy to be here. Uh, the look on his face said it all. And oh man, I was so happy for him. I'm Mason Dixon, a Habs fan stuck in Leafs country, with my co-host Corey. A southern beauty trapped deep in the bayous of Louisiana. With over 2,500 kilometers of separation, we still managed to come together to give you Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. While I don't know what a kilometer is, I do know Habs hockey. Don't let the 10-year age gap or distance fool you. We bleed Blue Blanc Rouge, and we're known to serve up hot takes along with our unique charm. Join us every Monday and Thursday for Hockey Talk, Ref Rage, and your daily dose of Southern ignorance. Only on the Hockey Podcast Network. Katie is the superior macaroni and cheese. Get the fuck out of here. You put Um, ketchup on your fucking macaroni, you nasty kid? Yes, I fucking do. This has been Habs Nightly. You guys have a great night. I guess we got to talk about the, those Lady Liberty jerseys, because I, you know, part of me was worried if they lose this game, are the jerseys cursed for now on? But if anything, it looks like they went in the phone booth, they put the superhero outfit on, and man, they look beautiful. What would you think about the jerseys? Yeah, so I don't know if it, if you haven't listened to our podcast where we went over all the reverse retro jerseys, 
Um, the part where I spoke about, you know, the Rangers jersey, I, I didn't really like it at first. I didn't like, I didn't like how it looked like as someone walking down the street wearing the jersey. I thought it kind of looked plain and cheesy and just, I just felt like they didn't put really any effort into it to make it pop. And, and we spoke about how, you know, as a original six team, they're afraid to take chances and be risky. And, and, you know, we kind of wanted something, you know, new and different and not so plain, but man, oh man, they, they did look sharp. I'll admit, man, I, I was really concerned of how the, the weird stripe on the arm would look, but you know, when you're wearing, you know, elbow pads and shoulder pads, the, you know, it doesn't really, you know, it, it kind of pops. It works. It, you know, the logo looked sharp. The only thing I had to say was that it was a little fuzzy reading the nameplate and the numbers. I thought, I thought the gray and the font was fine. I thought the font was fine, but the gray of it was didn't really, you know, it didn't really make it stand out watching it on TV. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that was probably my one thing. I think you had mentioned that maybe if they trimmed it with white, it'd pop a little bit more, make it easier to see. But yeah, I definitely, like you said, once you have the pants uh, yep. involved in the socks all together, it looks fresh because some of those jerseys, they look great when you put them on a kid, you know, wearing jeans and white trainers, but then on the ice, you're like, oh, these are a little busy. Uh, you know, yep. it's kind of a lot going on. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the simplicity helps because the Rangers just kind of, they look, you know, it looks very different. I love the, the dark helmet, you know, the Navy helmet to match and, uh, the socks and, you know, I thought they'd have different gloves. They didn't, but that's fine. It still looked, everyone looked great. And they, uh, it, you could tell the team was kind of pumped to wear them because they've kind of been, uh, you know, they've been repping it for a while and clearly they know that the fan base was clamoring for them to make their return. And now, yeah, hopefully, like I said, now they're, hopefully they're sainted a little bit now. And when they, every time they wear, I think they're going to wear them against the Islanders. Am I correct in saying that? Um, they came out with a schedule. If you want to keep talking, I can try to pull up that <laughs> schedule, but, um, oh, yeah. yeah, being long winded is what I do best, James. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing about the lady liberties and the reverse retros, especially, you know, I, I, like you said, when we were reviewing it, a part of me missed, I'm like, we could be a little bit more going on and have a little bit more, you know, on the either trim on the bottom of it and, or have different gloves or have different socks. But now when I look at it, I mean, a part of, especially compared to pictures of, you know, the, the original one, I think I like it cleaner, you know, but it's just funny how at first I thought on the ice, it was going to look like a glorified practice Jersey, kind of like the, the Detroit one, but it really didn't, you know, it just, the feel was different. and. Yeah, now they have a nice little thing in their back pocket where if they need to maybe, you know, things aren't going the way they want, they say, don't worry, we got the the Lady Liberties coming, we'll throw them on and maybe it's a, yeah, feel a little bit more comfortable, especially if you remember what the last time, you know, the, the effort they put forth. Um, but yeah, so I'm I, also curious. Oh, sorry, what were you going to say? I, no, I have the schedule here. Um, so they are playing, they are going to be wearing them against the New York Islanders for February 8th. Um, they also will be wearing them February 28th against Boston. And then twice again in March against the Devils and Philly, and then another time in April against the New Jersey Devils. So, yeah, they're penciled in here for two, three, six, uh, six more times. So the rest of the way, including uh, tomorrow against the New York Islanders. So, um, yeah, no, they definitely look sharp. And, and you know, I don't know. What, what's the deal with, like, the playoffs? Like, can they wear, like, a reverse retro in the playoffs? Or is that... Uh, yeah, I mean, didn't Carolina wear them in their thirds last year in the playoffs or something? 
Did they? Right. Was that the Hartford jersey? Not the Hartford jersey. They had that. Uh, I think it was like because it was their black jerseys. Oh, you know, because their their home is just a, a all red jersey, right? Yeah. But I think they wore their black jersey. I think it was like I don't know if you have to get approval or I have no idea what goes into the minutia of getting stuff like that approved, but um, I believe they do. So I think you can. I think it's just up at the discretion of, you know, as far as that goes, I can't see the Rangers. I don't know for some reason I can't see them doing that. But you know, it'd be like I said, it'd be really cool. You know, I think you you had mentioned uh, two games ago. You know, they're going into that third period and they needed to. You know, they were. Or at the end of the first intermission of two, you know, against Pittsburgh, you mentioned, you know, if the Rangers are down after 20 minutes, it'd be nice if they came out with the Lady Liberties, you know, like yeah. a Mighty Duck style. So, yeah, I don't know if you could do that if you're down a few games and you're like, we need to change things up. So let's put these jerseys on. But maybe you can. I just I honestly don't know. But um, it would be interesting, especially considering how much the fan base seems to love them. And like I said, uh, they've been anointed, they, you know, what a what a debut for them. Right. Oh, absolutely. And you couldn't ask for a better. They, honestly, that game against Washington Capitals was the best I've seen them play in a 60 minute span in in two seasons. It was just unbelievable. I, I didn't even feel like I was watching the New York Rangers. And, you know, I, you know, and, and I think you I think you mentioned it towards the end of last podcast, basically, of our leaders stepping up and having to look themselves in the mirror and say, you know, what does it actually mean to be a leader on this team? What do I have to do? What kind of role do I have to play? Um, you know, it not they haven't really been called out until, you know, this past week after the Tony incident where there was fighting in the locker room because, you know, the fighting in the locker room didn't just end with, you know, Tony D'Angelo getting, you know, uh, put on waivers. It, you know, it still the discussion still continued to what kind of locker room is happening in, in New York. And, um, you know, does Quinn have control of it? Do the players have control of it? You know? Why do I hear that Truba is, not, is the liaison between the players and the coach? Like, where's Mika Zibanejad? Why is he so like, you know, you know, sad that you know, um, oh my God, that Tony's gone, and and you know, is he going to step up and address you know the bigger picture here of you know, you know, Rangers have <laughs> have to get the ship you know on the right course in order to make the playoffs and and gain some points here. Um, Although I don't see a ton of stuff from, you know, Mika and that, it just seems like that the Rangers play overall has gotten better. And, you know, I'm glad that it's fixed, but it's, you know, it sucks that it has to come off the tail of a really bad 48 hours where players are fighting in the locker room. The team can't put together, you know, 60 minutes of hockey. They've had, you know, countless blown leads. They have questionable decision making, you know, behind the bench. It's just like everyone looked like they had to look themselves in the meter, meet, mirror and say, you know, are, is my decision making making this team better? Is my play making this team better? And, you know, hopefully they all did that and they seemed, you know, it seemed to work. Yeah. You know, I think it's one of those things where I look at some of the teams that have been bad for a bit and then instant, all of a sudden it's seemingly good overnight. And, Usually those teams have these Cinderella runs, but they ultimately do doesn't equate to a Stanley Cup for them. But then I look at some of the teams that had a rough couple of years, but then through that, they kind of, you know, those young cores kind of figure out what they have to do through adversity. You know, I think it's the biggest, you know, it sucks because it's it equates to like wasted season, you know, or a season down the, the tubes, but you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what you need to do to get to that next level. And 
you know, even though on the one hand, this rebuild hasn't been, you know, I, at least in terms of, you know, mor- team morale, the rebuild hasn't been too sapping for the Rangers, but it has been tough. You know, I think they realize what, you know, when you lose a Ryan McDonough and you lose a Derek Stepan and you lose a, hell, you lose a Dan Girardi or a Mark Stahl, you know, you lose these guys or Carl Hagelin as a, on a, as a penalty killer or Jesper Faust, you kind of realized what all of a sudden becomes glaringly obvious what the team is missing and what you took for granted, what you didn't have to worry about. And as much as it hurts to lose those guys, now you see Buchnevich as one of our best overall players as a, an excellent penalty killer, smart, pressuring the puck all over the ice, Kako playing off the ice. And I think that's kind of the silver lining, but it kind of takes the adversity and the hardship of realizing, oh, we don't have that anymore. Like, I have to do that now. You know, it's it's now it falls upon me to make sure that, you know, where this area is attended to. And yeah, it's definitely a slower climb, but I think the the most heartening thing I can say about this Rangers team, you know, especially if you look at some other teams, you know, the Can- we spoke about the Canucks, they already seem like their season is in a free fall and they have no signs of getting out. Even if the Rangers can't just crawl out of this hole, they've made them, they've made for themselves. It does seem that they were playing good early on, but they just were making stupid mistakes and, or just rookie mistakes. You could say, you know, they're still one of the youngest teams in the league and weren't getting good goaltending, but they were still playing well at five on five, arguably. And now you look that it's one of those things that you just have to trust that as long as you continue to try to do those things and play the right way, you know, or, or, or push and just not take your foot off the gas, you know, that, that'll, the results will come. And I think if you, when you're playing like that, but you're not confident, you're going to get those results. Even if you're behind a goal or two, or you're down or your power play is not clicking or every time you press and, you know, you have most of the zone time, but everything in your own zone, even if it's a short time, it's up at the back of your net. Yeah. It's can be disheartening, but I think we saw that they didn't let it, when you don't let those things waver and you play like you did last night, you're going to, most likely be a playoff team and you're going to have success. So, uh, yeah, it's just funny how that works out, but yeah, I mean, I, obviously the, there's a tantalizing amount of potential in this team, but you know, I just think it's, I do think everyone, I think the management fan base, the team included all had them. Yeah. Maybe their sights set maybe a little too high and we should all take maybe what Quinn uh, acquiesced about Kako as everyone's waiting for it to be, you know, these kids, you know, him and Lafreniere to be what you want them to be, but you just kind of have to be what you are. So, and I think that's what they're doing. I think, and honestly, I think the more they realize that they're not a fully formed product yet is the more they're going to maybe harp on trying to do the things that will make them successful now and then grow into that. You know what I mean? As opposed to trying to make Kako a offensive zone possession player tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe he does have to be kind of, an NHL regular type player who can with, you know, with special gifts for now, you know, same thing with Lafreniere. Yeah. And it, it, listen, it's hard to dominate this league. Like you you can't just come in and those players. And I think we've talked about this before that, you know, the Austin Matthews, the Connor McDavid's, the Sidney Crosby's like, there's so few. It's not like every team that drafts first overall gets a player like that. I mean, look at look at Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers. Besides Connor McDavid, their first overall picks are not all Connor McDavid's. Like the, those guys don't don't always exist there. And you know, Kako taken at two and Lafreniere taken at one. You know, people look around the league and say, well, why can't why aren't they doing what they they did? And it's like it doesn't always work like that. You know, Connor McDavid is 
you know, generational, maybe the best player to ever, the best complete player to ever put on a pair of hockey skates. Like that doesn't exist every single draft. So I think people just need to calm down. If you look at Lafreniere's play, it's really not bad. It's not like he doesn't belong out there. It's just that, you know, there's, he's just not dominating. He's making correct decisions. He's, you know, you know, he's good with the puck. He's making passes tape to tape. It's not like, you know, he's a complete bust. It's just that, you know, this takes, it takes time. It takes, you know, repetitions. It, you know, he's, he hasn't been tested like this ever in his life. This is literally the best, you know, hockey in the entire world. And when you have a player that's completely dominated and was able to do whatever the hell he wanted at will, you know, at every level growing up, when he gets to the, <laughs> when he gets to the big boys, you know, he's got to kind of relearn his game and kind of figure out what he needs to do to be successful at, at this level. And, you know, it, that just takes time. And to sit here and look at him and say he's a bust and, you know, oh, we should have drafted so-and-so or we should have taken Byfield, you know, at least he's a big center. It's just like, calm down. It's every, all these young kids need to figure it out. And I think we're going to hit an era where we're not going to have that first round, the first overall pick or top three picks are just dominating year one. They're going to take a couple years to get used to, you know, it's just, it's, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. And we were kind of spoiled having, you know, a plethora of players taken at the top of that draft and come into the league and just dominate. And now people expect it to happen every single year. Um, so I thought that was an excellent point that you, you made uh, a couple of days ago to me. I think, I don't even know if we were talking on the podcast, but I think it was just one-on-one um, talking. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like every year, some of the guys, especially you, you remember Connor McDavid didn't win the, he got injured towards the end of the season, but you know, Panarin won the call. There was a 24, 25 year old, right. You know, and that's, yeah. And McDavid was still good, but at the same time, even he had stuff to learn about. And I mean, his, uh, or, you know, I, Matthew Barzell's best season was his rookie year. He had six, three, three points. And then he was, you know, a 40 point guy that the following two, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's one of those things. It's just, these things are, you can't, you, you, these guys aren't cementing what they are going to be in their first year. You know, it's, right. it's just, yeah, some guys are kind of get lucky. They may be their skill set, especially if they're, if they've got wheels to burn, they can, uh, they can flourish. They get put on a third line their rookie year and they just, you know, beat up on lesser competition. And then they're like, all right, you're clearly skilled. We put you in the top six and all of a sudden they, they become, you know, now you're targeted. You know, yeah, exactly. You know, Matt Barzell will eventually get back there. He's too skilled not to, but, or hell even surpass it. But you know, uh, yeah, the, the Miko Rantanins and the, the Barkovs, these guys, these especially, you know, guys that are like Kako and Lafreniere who aren't speedsters, but just play heavier games more, you know, based on using their size and skill within the offensive zone. Yeah, it's going to take them. It takes those guys usually a little bit longer because it's not about especially because you can catch so many people off the rush. You look at Hughes. Uh, Jack Hughes, excuse me, um, you know, last year kept to the outside, but because he's got wheels and he can kind of get to the perimeter, he can find ways and slots to distribute the puck. You know, you have to you have to wonder how does that equate to success in the postseason where we kind of see a reversal. So you don't know. And the same thing happened to Barzell is that he's so good in the regular season, but he hasn't been able to crack success in the uh, in the postseason yet, just because it's kind of where everyone's really tight and gapping up. They're going to say, we're not going to whatever we, you're not getting by me in the offensive zone. You know, I, 
you're not going to step around me. I'm going to be attentive to my gaps and that's it. I'm not letting you in the middle of the ice. And if you are, I'm going to make you pay. So that's where these heavier guys like Akako or uh, Lafreniere, you know, will eventually make their money, especially a guy like Lafreniere, who is just so good at making subtle little plays under pressure to either get, get pucks through lanes and slots and double clutches. And that's the thing. It's just, he plays a subtle game, but it's kind of, you realize, you see how he positions himself and how he sticks and moves. And yeah, you can tell that when he is confident going at full cylinder and he gets that, you know, maybe next year he just has that extra step that Kako has now. Can you imagine how dangerous that'll make him? Cause he's, I mean, it even though this year, like, yeah, that's a thing. And that's, a th- I, you know, say what you will about, uh, you know, I'm so happy with, with what I'm seeing out of Kako now, but Lafreniere, even though he hasn't gotten the points that, or the goals that Kako had Lafreniere now is better than Kako was last year. Absolutely. It's just hasn't translated you know what i mean and, and it's enough for quinn to put him on the first line and consistently put him on the first line and and you know playing with mika right now is is tough because mika is not himself uh the style of play that you're used to seeing mika you know play with you know the speed down the middle uh, you know driving offense uh creating scoring chances uh you know his uh his movement off the board is you know spin off the defenseman in the corners he's just was so electric everywhere on the ice and and right now he's battling himself. So, you know, to to kind of judge the stats on Amika's advantage at line right now is that would be foolish. I mean, it, it's just it's just you can't say Lafreniere is a bust. It's just not a logical thing to say right now, especially because who he's playing with, the the play at hand. I mean, you watch him. Is he really doing anything wrong out there? It's just that he's just not really producing like he's like he has at every other level and i think that just takes time to figure out it's i mean it's not fair to even judge him off 10 his first 10 nhl games without a preseason nonetheless and a season where let's be honest man besides the last two games the rangers were a hot mess up and down the entire lineup and even behind the bench the coaching decisions were bad there was fighting in the locker room we were blowing leads left and right so his first five games in the nhl were not exactly you know uh uh a model to to really mold, start molding yourself around, and you know I think the last two games you saw what it, he's finally seeing what it takes for a team to be successful, and hopefully he can find a role and and you know kind of work on the things that he feels he needs to work at to get better. And it's really nice that you know although we don't always like what Quinn's decision making is, I'm really glad he's not taking him off the the top line right away and allowing him to kind of you know figure things out you know, with Mika. I absolutely agree a hundred percent. And yeah, I just think like I had mentioned earlier that both this team and these young guys, they're, they're going to, at the end of the day, they're on their own timetable, you know, and we can, fans can wish cast all they want about because we have X, Y, and Z pieces where you should be. But any, everyone knows that the national hockey league, uh, the variance is crazy from year to year. Sometimes you, your goaltending is not good. And you can't help it. Sometimes what was working last year just is not working this year. And then, yeah, it's just, it's a weird league like that. So you just have to make sure that you're trying to incrementally get better every day. And it's such a stock cliche, David Quinn answer, but it, you know, it's kind of the truth, right? Because right. you look at, you know, it's just about that. You apply it so much because it becomes second nature. You know, if you showed someone Buchnevich now and you were like, you would have assumed you're like, man, this guy, like you would have, and you had, he had, you had no concept of what he was like before. You would think he was just like a, a two way forward that kind of found his offensive game a bit when he was the opposite. He was a skilled, you know, 
playmaker who just had to have benchings by Quinn and, you know, conversations about effort and consistency. And this guy is probably our best two way forward right now, which is crazy to think, but it, it's true. You know, it's, a, it's just, it's funny how that goes, but it just takes a while to get there. And I, if anything, this kind of these hardships and like, you know, it's one of those things where if you can drum into this team that who, that has already has natural skill that will flourish once it's there all mature and they're comfortable but you, this is how you have to play to have success not just in the regular season but in the postseason you know not just trying to stretch the ice all the time like under av not just uh you know quinn calls them hero plays where you don't have to move your feet that's the thing where it it, it allows you to have the puck all the time like tampa because those that team skates you know i don't care how old they are they have a good mixture of old and young guys and they skate they have the puck all the time. They're smart with it. They don't take too many games off. You know what I mean? Uh, and they're successful. And there are, you know, them in Colorado now, who kind of remind me of the Rangers only a few years ahead of us. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, that's the biggest thing is that it's not, they dominate with skill, but they still, they just, the whole team is moving in concert and they're attentive to their duties. And then, yeah. And then once you're there, you have all the time and space to make all the, use all that natural skill you have you want. So. So I got a couple um, questions for you. Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. Um, so, you know, obviously we're going to have to face these, these questions eventually. And I want to get your thoughts before, you know, the, 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 the people in charge are actually making, uh, answering them. So we have some injuries, right? When yes. certain players come back, where do you see them getting penciled in? And I'm looking you know, at Jack Johnson specifically. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I would, I would, ho- I would hope Jack Johnson doesn't get pencil back in. Okay. Uh, Rangers are practicing as we record. I know Brennan Smith is in a, is in a, a non-contact jersey. I think so. He's the, probably the closest. Johnson's not on the ice. Heedle's not on the ice, and Blackwell's not on the ice. Um, you know, like I said, no matter what, if they're gonna play Jack Johnson, you gotta hope they keep that, those minutes down because, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, you don't know what, how, do they like what they saw out of Hayek? Does, uh, you know, Batetto, is he making them rethink whether or not he should be that, uh, you know, because he's a veteran in his own right. He's 30 yeah. years old, right? So, you know, does he, is he able to hold that spot down with the goodwill and faith? And, you know, especially that he can chip in some goals where, he's, you know, you're not getting anything for Jack Johnson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you got to hope he's holding that spot down eventually. Um, you know, and I guess if there's an injury, Smith can go in, especially cause he's versatile with his hand in this and all that. Um, or excuse me with what side you play him on, you know, eventually you hope he'll gets back. He takes that third line center spot and Blackwell, uh, yeah, maybe he's on that. He's, he gets put right on heels, uh, on wing and you, I think you hope you can ride, you know, Lafreniere, Mika, yeah, Lafreniere, Mika, Buchnevich, uh, Kako, Panarin, Strom, um, Kreider, uh, Kreider, Heedle, Colin Blackwell. And then you have that fourth line of DJ Seppi, Lemieux, and uh, Brett Howden. And I, yeah, I think in a perfect world, that's kind of what you want. You know, Julian Gauthier, I'm sure, will be in and out. But still, you know, he has tantalizing even, skill. Rooney is, is making the case that he, yeah. he deserves to play every, every single and I think, listen, Gorton deserves a lot of credit for that because some of our best contributors this season have been our bottom six guys. Complete opposite of what we had going last year where our bottom six was invisible. So, you know, and, and all at the cost of under what, you know, uh, 
I think all of them together maybe make an a million, um, two million, maybe. Yeah. So, you know, which is great. So that's what you want. You need, you know, especially the way Colin Blackwell is going. I don't know if he comes back from injury. He was just riding a hot streak trying to prove something. But yeah, I mean, that bodes well for the Rangers, right? Just makes the matchup nightmare. And And those guys are, say what you will about, I think last year we got in trouble at times because you love the effort of Di Giuseppe and Blackwell. And then you're like, we're going to put them on next to Mika because I want to show this guy what like what you have to do to really have success. And I get it. But at the end of the day, you want these guys like, you know, like the Islanders have their Sezikis, Martin, Clutterbuck line, although that line gets, you know, is not what it once was and gets caved in on shots every night, although they look maybe good doing it. But, um, you know, that's what you want. It's like if you can have a, a, those guys and whenever you put your bottom your bottom two lines out, whether it's uh, Heedle, Kreider, and Blackwell, and then like a, the guys I mentioned, that it's just it's a rough ride, and they're pressing and they're pressing, and they're pressing. It's uncomfortable, and they're chipping in greasy goals. And then you kind of attune to that, and then your top lines come out and just decimate you with their skill. That's really what you want, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think uh, you know, I think the the good thing is even with the Tony business and everything that's been going on. Uh, yeah, the, I think the picture is getting a little bit more clear. We see now Gautier has a ways to go. His awareness and his own zone is yeah. still kind of non-existent, but there is tantalizing skill. But obviously, as we get closer to the end of the season and the expansion draft looming, we're going to have to have these hard conversations and that'll be a different podcast. But um, as it stands today, the, the, the on ice picture at least looks clear. It sees uh, Vince is reporting that the lines from practice remain unchanged. The only thing we don't know is who starts a net versus the Islanders. So I think that's a good way to finish this podcast, James. Yep. If you're like, who are you playing against the New York Islanders uh, tomorrow night? I think you got a pencil of Georgie in. Uh, yeah. Only because, and you brought it up at the last podcast, is his success against the Islanders has been, you know, clear. You know, he, he plays well against that team. And, and it's no knock on Igor. Um, and, you know, I'm sure they have group conversations and meetings together. but you know, given his, you know, recent success and past success against the New York Islanders, I don't know how you don't put uh, Georgie in, the, in these games, you know, you have to play him eventually. And, you know, you got two games against the Bruins on Wednesday and Friday, and you're going to want to go with Igor. So are you really going to pencil Igor to play five games in a row in a, in a 56, you know, game schedule? So, um, you know, I wouldn't, and this is a perfect opportunity for Georgie to play. So, um, yeah, I, I expect George George to get penciled in and Igor to get penciled in for Wednesday, Friday. Uh, you know, unless he really has a a hell of a game Wednesday where it could happen against the Boston Bruins. But you know, you're gonna want to go out there with all all uh, cylinders going, and that's Igor Igor's game on Wednesday. Yeah, no, I agree. And like you said, I think. It's one of those things where you still want to get Shesterk in the variety of the starts, but you do need to play Georgie. And he doesn't, you, he, if he's, especially if he's not feeling super confident, you know, he's had a, I think Quinn, you know, as Quinn said, he's kind of had a pretty uh, eventful week, right? You know, his, his play has been, uh, hasn't been where he wants it to be. You know, he gets in, he gets called out basically by a guy on his way out, uh, which I'm sure still weighs on him even after, you know, the, the problem from the locker room is removed. But now it's like, yeah, I'm sure his confidence is shaking. He's got to get it back. So, and this is the best place for him to do it. He's had success before. He's been up to the task. Uh, and if he just inexplicably plays good against the Islanders, that's what you got to do. And then and, you can go back to to Igor and 
you know, but yeah, I and think I want, it's... And I want to say too, I, I, not to cut you off, but you, you brought up an excellent point that George's best game is when he's, you know, kind of has his back against the wall and is almost forced to play that game. So, you know, I think with Igor's recent success and everyone kind of taking that deep breath and saying, wow, maybe Igor is back, you know, maybe Georgie sees that and, you know, says, shit, I need to elevate my game. I need to play better. I, I need to be more focused. I need to have my head straight. And, you know, I, I believe in Georgie. He's been Mr. Consistent, well, not Mr. Consistent, but Mr. Reliable as a backup goaltender during, you know, when we had Hank. I thought he played well last season. I think he figures it out, and I think he plays uh, tomorrow, and I think he plays really well. I mean, he had a shutout against this team. I think it would do wonders for his confidence if he can get another game like that in under his belt and, you know, help, help the Rangers get two points because ultimately that's, that's, what it ma- that's what matters at the end of the day is two points. So the Rangers desperately need them. Uh, they need to get, you know, back on track, and uh, they need to uh, continue continue that momentum. You know, I thought the game against Pittsburgh, you know, went seamlessly into the game against Washington, and that seamlessly needs to go into this game against the New York Islanders because, you know, if you can string together a 10-game span where you go 8-2, and two, and then, you know, the next 10 games, you know, even if you go 6-4, and four, if you consistently, you know, string together those 10 segments those 10 game segments where you have success and you're getting points, you're going to be a playoff team in this division because I don't believe in Pittsburgh's consistency. Uh, you see what's happening to the Islander, Islanders. The Devils will cool off. Trust me. Um, they ain't shit. And, you know, I, I just think we sneak into the playoffs. I really do. If we, if we can f- play like we have this last two games and keep that momentum going, Andy, we're going to make the playoffs. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.